Welcome to NGA Notable Lectures, a podcast offering a deeper understanding of all things artistic. Recorded on March 22, 2014 at the National Gallery of Art, this symposium explores the art and legacy of Domenicos Theotokopoulos, known as El Greco. The 400th anniversary of the artist is being celebrated by exhibitions and programming throughout 2014. Born on the Greek island of Crete, El Greco spent the majority of his adult life in Toledo, Spain, and became known as the Greek from Toledo. An international panel of El Greco scholars provides an in-depth study of the artist's career, focusing on his early years in Greece and Italy, and his renowned work completed in Toledo. The gallery is also presenting an exhibition titled El Greco, a 400th Anniversary Celebration from Washington Area Collections, on view from November 2, 2014 through February 16, 2015. This program was coordinated with and supported by Spain Arts and Culture. The third lecture was given by Livia Stonescu, visiting assistant professor, University of Houston, Clear Lake. In his Washington portrait of Saint Ildefonso, El Greco depicts the saint writing in his oratory and simultaneously contemplating the, the ancient image of Our Lady of Yescas. As a Spanish medieval legend recounts, the Virgin appeared to Saint Ildefonso in person and presented him with a priestly vestment to reward him for his zeal in honoring her. Yet, rather than painting the Virgin as a young and beautiful woman in the flamboyant Spanish Baroque style, as Murillo did in his Immaculate Conception, El Greco instead illustrated the 7th century carved image of Our Lady of Yescas. A holy image, the miniature statue of the Virgin and Child, was originally owned by Saint Ildefonso in 657 and preserved in the chapel of the Hospital of Charity in Yescas since 1500. El Greco shows Saint Ildefonso seated at his desk, his quill poised as he gazes for inspiration at this antique image of the Virgin. In showing the church father contemplating the ancient Marian image, El Greco points not to the resemblant image, but to a sample or sign physically related to its referent, an object we call a relic. In the visual arts of El Greco's time, the treatment of sculpture as a relic involved the reduction of movement and pathos, to an essential meaningful form. In the Saint Ildefonso portrait, El Greco adapted sculptural ideas to the conditions of painting by supporting the strain of humanist culture most closely allied with the spirit of religious reform. If the Saint Ildefonso portrait is largely derived from the Italian Renaissance model of the church father at his desk, it also invokes the harmony of the artist image and his work in an earlier portrait of Giulio Clovio, made by El Greco in 1570. An accomplished Croatian engraving artist and miniaturist, Giulio Clovio was El Greco's intellectual mentor in Rome at the, at the Palazzo Farnese. In the portrait, Clovio is holding his masterpiece, an illuminated manuscript titled the Farnese Hours with full-page miniatures, which he completed for his young patron, Cardinal Alexandro Farnese, in 1546. 
The Farnese Hours responded to the cardinal's love of sacred poetry and at the same time refined his knowledge of scripture and liturgy in view of the religious reform of the Catholic faith before 1550. Today, I posit that El Greco replicated the sculpted image of Our Lady of Iescas with the ideas of his intellectual advisor, Clovio, <laughs> firmly in mind. I argue that in the portrait of Saint Ildefonso, the mystical overtones of the saint's oratory become a filter through which El Greco negotiates the 16th century debates concerning the antiquity and tradition of the liturgy and sacred scripture. The intimate character of the bust length portrait in both the saint in his oratory and the artist in his studio is more than a reference back to a primordial culture of painting. A reflective artist such as El Greco had an interest in Christian images that dissuaded him from merely replicating the half-length format of the Eastern icon, which became an influential type in Western European painting during the 15th century. Rather than replicating an icon image, El Greco instead upheld fidelity to the icon's referential link to divinity combining it with his original underexplored idea of portraiture as imagined reality. By locating Saint Defonso in Giulio Clovio in fictional settings, he implicates a natural extension of their portraits into immortality. The image of a divinely inspired Saint Ildefonso writing an allegorical work dedicated to the Virgin is intentionally analogous to Clovio's creation of miniature illustration, whose allegorical character also supersedes the literal sense of the gospel. In his Farnese hours, Clovio depicted ornaments, landscapes, sacred narratives, and pictorial frames that stressed the typological sense of the gospel, compelling the viewer to think figuratively the essential relationship between, in Eric Auerbach's terms, the figura and its fulfillment. In the portrait, El Greco coordinates Clovio's finger pointing to the creation scene in the open manuscript with a landscape directly above, a landscape originally produced like the creation without the agency of human hand and a reassurance for painters that the landscape is a fictional genre. El Greco negotiated the relationship of painting and writing and of sainthood and creativity in a series of saint portraits which he executed after his relocation to Toledo in 1577. His Saint Jerome as Cardinal, Saints Peter and Paul and Saint Luke, register the painter's effort to extend the old format into a new generation of portraits of the early church fathers. El Greco's insistence on the format of Eastern icons in mosaic and church decorations preserved the icon within the new portrait rather than dissipating the timeless principles of icon portraits. His exposure to a culture of icons produced in the West and collected by significant Renaissance patrons reinforced his earlier exploration of the dramatic substance of Eastern icons when he was in Crete. 
One example of this is an early 12th century micromosaic icon of the Pantocrator from Lorenzo de' Medici's collection in Florence, originally part of Pope Paul II's collection of mosaic painted and sculpted icons, which illustrates the frontal figure of Christ holding a sacred book against the flat, golden background characteristic of Byzantine icons. This typical figural arrangement of the figure before a two-dimensional background provoked El Greco to experiment with a new range of compelling means of depicting authority and sainthood. He quotes in his portrait of Saint Jerome an artifact whose authority derived from distant origins and reveals the icon as a modern work of art. Like Saint Ildefonso, Saint Jerome sits at his study and marks his place in his book while his gaze has just been distracted from his reading. This new authority of Saint Jerome's portrait signals a radical break with his more common iconographic portrayal as the cardinal with a lion, and it projects the narrative present tense into an indefinite space, one beyond chronological and historical presentness. Saint Jerome's portrait disrupts the narrative present tense and becomes newly authoritative. The portrait reaffirms the discontinuities of time and space intrinsic to the icon in a way that calls attention to Saint Jerome's temporal uh, state, while the icon uh, bust format simultaneously refers to the historical past. El Greco's depiction of the mystical encounter between Saint Ildefonso and the Virgin similarly communicates his idea that replicating Eastern icons permits him to create images outside historical time. The Washington Saint Ildefonso presents a modern icon image of the saint in his oratory that refers back to the immaterial character of icons and at the same time acquires a visible presence only through a mechanism of fabrication that evades contact with reality. Saint Ildefonso sits in his oratory in conformity with a Spanish medieval legend that recounts the Virgin's appearance to Saint Ildefonso during a night of vigil when the saint was writing a treatise in her honor. The painting's association with this legend is recognizable in more than just the structure and presentation of the church father at his desk. Saint Ildefonso is seated at the draped table, and with his left hand, he marks his place in his book, while his gaze has just been distracted from his reading by the Virgin's apparition. El Greco implicates a plural time, a time of human contemplation and divine apparition that reaffirms the discontinuities of time and space that are intrinsic to the icon. On the one hand, by arousing and focusing contemplation on a single gesture, the saint interrupted from his writing, Saint Ildefonso's portraits thrust the saint into the divine realm that the Virgin inhabits. This is why the saint appears so grounded in a visible symmetry between his bust image and the richly decorated table, indicating El Greco's intention that the saint's physicality is intended at the discovery of a real source of meaning. 
On the other hand, El Greco creates a fiction virtually unprecedented in the history of Renaissance art by locating the Virgin's apparition in an unreal place. The image of Our Lady of Yesca stands on a miniature altar and at the same time shares a fictional background, an enclosure with door-like panels that could never come together in a plausible symmetry to form a door. El Greco's depiction of Saint Ildefonso's vision imports to portraiture some of the inherent paradoxes in the icon-based portrait. Its ability to integrate the Sita's presence and identity into a realm outside visible reality, a realm conceived with a two-dimensional disposition of Eastern icons in mind. Images that describe visions and mystical encounters refer to the Renaissance model of, a, of the inspired church father at his desk. El Greco deployed the northern Italian prototypes he must have discovered during his Italian sojourn and which appealed to his pan of Flemish, Flemish painting. El Greco translates the, the descriptive details and effects of light and texture in Botticelli, St. Augustine, and Ghirlandaio, St. Jerome, in his study into the pictorial contrasts of massive red and dark surfaces in the portrayal of St. Ildefonso's oratory. From Botticelli, St. Augustine, El Greco, St. Ildefonso adopts the rapt expression on the face of St. Augustine and the detailed description of the saint's study filled with light and mystical lore. On the other hand, Ghirlandaio introduces analogies to St. Jerome's identity as a writer and a translator of the gospel by alluding to the Renaissance model of the church father in the act of writing at his lectern, surrounded by books, pens, inkwells, scissors, and candles. Even though neither Botticelli's nor Ghirlandaio's images of the saints allude to the divine encounter in visual terms, Divine presence is nevertheless felt in the stillness and, and the uh, stuff in, in the in the, in the saint study. Uh, in the objects presented in Saint Ildefonso's oratory, El Greco deployed the minute Netherlandish delineation of the object's shape and, 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 uh, and uh, things that he must have seen in the Florentine's painter's work. The dense brush strokes on the red tablecloth reaffirm the effects of Ghirlandaio's depiction of St. Jerome's wooden lectern and oriental carpet for a Spanish public that was already attuned to Netherlandish art. Nonetheless, these objects were originally made with liturgical and devotional functions in mind, much like St. Ildefonso's book. As objects directly correlated with the church fathers, they complemented the formal and structural meaning of icons, namely, they project the narrative present tense into an indefinite space beyond chronological and historical presentness. Religious books, wooden panels, and altarpieces were ancient artifacts that integrated fragments of past reality into a permanent identity. Their ability to engage with the past and simultaneously to affirm themselves in the present corresponds to the art 
of manuscript illuminators, which El Greco directly referred to in Giulio Clovio's portrait. The portrait of the artist in his studio includes Clovio's most significant achievement, the Farnese Hours, completed in 1546 for the young cardinal Alexandro Farnese. The Farnese Hours responded to the 16th century revival of interest in medieval prayer books with full-page miniatures. Clovio's awakening as a miniaturist of the art of manuscript illuminators directed his interest in Eastern antiquities into the Western private devotional culture, the sphere that gave birth to the illuminated manuscript. But if the founding fathers of the illuminated manuscript, the Limburg brothers, exploited the Eastern icon as the origin of portraiture to make their own portraits an outgrowth from the icon-based image, Clovio instead stressed the sacred narrative by exchanging the standard parts in the books of ours, the calendar suffrages, and gospel readings for landscapes and images that apply Judeo-Christian prophecy to the incarnation. The Farnese Hours followed more radical reform direction of its time by focusing on Marian devotions while maintaining the traditional sequence of psalms, versicles, antiphones, and responses. The Mariological and Christological scenes are paired with prefiguration from the Hebrew Bible and pagan prophecy. The effect of Clovio's enclosing the images into frames bestows on the illuminated manuscript a fictional structure, a structure that accommodates poetic and reformed thought without distracting the viewer from the main narratives of Christ's nativity and passion. The liturgical sequence of sacred narratives and their arrangement in pairs of facing pages are supplemented by additional histories in the ornamental frames, Thus, we see the shepherds and, the, and, and other scenes in, in, the, in the cameos of Christ in the temple and the expulsion. This, this pairing of the figure and the prefigure negotiates a complex relationship between typological and narrative readings. Clovio's selection and ordering of sacred images and classical ornament in the Farnese Hours also integrates several body-page landscapes that provide distant views of river and seasides populated by ancient temples. Clovio's subtle mastery of color and space led him to simulate graduations in the landscapes which convey the sense of an unidentified space within the larger European uh, world. This mode of visual allegory must have been particularly savored by Cardinal Alexandro Farnese, given his love of ancient poetry and interest in religious reform. Clovio's inventions in the disposition of the main scenes demanded that the reader extend the gospel's figurative sense into the visual richness of the office of the Virgin. The Farnese Hours was produced at the moment when liturgical reform was rethinking the place of the office of the Virgin in the breviary, which indicates Clovio's intentional effort to safeguard the liturgical practice as well as the artistic reform of Marian devotions. But if Clovio 
monumentalized the Farnese hours by reflecting the reforms of his time, he also satisfied the fruits of 16th century Renaissance humanism of Raphael, of Andrea Sansovino, and the Roman poets of the Corisiana, who favored the blending of sacred and classical poetry. Clovio's skillful arrangement and ornamentation translate the images allegorically as the fulfillment of Christian subjects in sacred history. Accordingly, the biblical scenes are inserted in the Farnese hours, not as portrait-oriented illustrations of the kind produced by the art of manuscript illuminators. Rather, Clovio exchanges this relation between icons and portraits for a more complex negotiation between images, ornaments, landscapes, and pictorial frames. El Greco Saint Ilefonso reveals a similar effort to expand the relationship between icons and portraits. Here, the carved image of the Virgin is a substitute for her, for her resemblant image as a beautiful young woman. We see the church father at his study and on the right an altar carrying a replica of Our Lady of Yescas, a statue that still stands on the high altar of the Church of, of, of the Hospital of Charity at Ilescas. Clearly, this evo evokes early Christian times and reaffirms in early modern painting the miniature statue that uh, Saint Ildefonso acquired before uh, 1657. El Greco quotes an artifact whose authority derives from distant Visigothic origins and reveals it as a modern work of art. A comparable mechanism, I propose, is at work in Carpaccio's vision of Saint Augustine, which belongs to a series of paintings about the life of Saint Jerome that Carpaccio painted for the Venetian scholar di San Giorgio degli Schiavoni in 1502-3. In the vision of St. Augustine, we see the church father at his desk and behind him a chapel in whose apse a bronze statue of a triumphant Christ stands on an altar. The Christ figure is the replica of a late 15th century bronze life-size statue of Christ which stood on an altar in Venice's church of Santa Maria della Carita, and which currently resides in Milan's Paul di Pezzoli Museum. The bronze statue corresponds in basic form and in some iconographic details to an ancient statue of Christ reported by the fourth century church art historian Eusebius of Caesarea and many other writers down to Carpaccio's time. The bronze Christ and its recontextualizations are part of a larger trend around 1500, which sought to reclaim the form of freestanding statue in marble and bronze for Christian purposes. This series includes work by Michelangelo, Angelo Sansovino, and Jacopo Sansovino, whose revival of Alantica freestanding statuary attempted to renew and reform Renaissance art. The inclusion of the carved image of Our Lady of Iesca, which stands on the church high altar in Iesca, similarly treats the form of antique models as a path 
to culture lodging newer in a vehicle for reform-minded ambitions to return to the pure forms of early Christianity. The recontextualization by El Greco and Italian Renaissance painters are part of a larger trend that sought to reclaim for Christian purposes the allegorical modes of humanist writing. Their images sharpen the little's knowledge of both sacred scripture and ancient poetry, while also foregrounding the relation between the figure and the figured in a way that elicits a figural interpretation of history from antiquity through the Middle Ages. The painter's creative imagination drew from and played off contemporary sacred books. And it is fair to say that among the sophisticated artists of Cardinal, Cardinal Farnese's household, Clovius' work directly recalled the allegorical tendencies of a reform-minded culture. The similarities between El Greco Saint Ildefonso and Clovius Farnese's hours are steeped in early Christian times and at the same time highly relevant to modern artistic trends as portraits of, respectively, the saints in the act of contemplative writing and of the artist presenting his masterpiece to the viewer. They reveal painting and writing, sainthood and creativity, cohering into the reform-minded preferences and the significant lure of antiquity in 16th century culture. El Greco's way of depicting the church father at his desk opens a fluid continuity between the figure and the figured. Everything seems to be involved in exchange. The carved image of Our Lady of Viesca clearly is a work of sculpture, and yet its meeting with Saint Ildefonso seems alive. El Greco's ability to expand into reality the encounter of humans and their gods so a significant link between conception of sculpture, painting, and books. In the Farnese hours, Clovio negotiates an advanced mode of depicting religious images as the allegorical instruments of gospel writing with ornaments and pictorial frames. El Greco extended the allegorical yet real sense of the meeting between Saint Ildefonso and the Virgin into a novel, animated exchange between the artist, sacred writing, landscape, and figures in the portrait of Giulio Clovio. Clovio's illuminated manuscript contains prayers to be said at given times, words that were understood to have a real power and efficacy. But at the same time, the Farnese hours was also a beautiful object an example of its kind, to be admired as an artifact, at least as much as it was meant to be used. Thank you very much. This has been a National Gallery of Art podcast. 